We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And finally, we can say that this year's NFL draft, my Christmas, my Hanukkah, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Bill, is next week. And we here at Sports Crunch are coming at you with an unforgettable few weeks of nonstop coverage. Later this week, the amazing Carmen Vitale of the Draft Network will join us to share all the last-minute draft chatter she's hearing and to do our fifth and final mock draft of the year. And this weekend, Chicago Bears center Cody Whitehair will join us for an extra special episode to talk football, the draft, and life in general. And on nights one and two of the draft, we will do our annual live stream, but with an extra special dimension this year, as we will use that live coverage on those nights as a platform to help raise funds for the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine. But first, we have two more stops on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, And today, we make the penultimate stop in a division where two teams will be picking at the very top of the draft, the AFC South. And joining us to share his ideas for the Jaguars, Texans, Colts, and Titans is honorary front of the program, Bill Carroll of Nuts and Bolts Sports. It's always good to have you with us, Bill. How are you doing, brother? It is always a pleasure. And yes, as you said, the draft is indeed is Chris Mahana Kwanzaa for me. Uh, it's all the things, right? It's everything wrapped up in one. Uh, it's all this work we've put into this to get to this point is finally coming to fruition. So it's very exciting. And very few work harder at it than you, Bill. And I'm very, very happy that you get to celebrate another great year of hard work, keeping people like me educated about all these incredible prospects. And Let's talk about the Jaguars, who for the second year in a row will have the first overall pick in the draft. And as of right now, Buzz suggests that Jacksonville's decision on who to select with that first overall pick will come down to pass rushers Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker. But there is a level of risk in selecting either one of them. And a big reason why is this. It can be argued that either Evan Neal or Akeem Aquanu are better than any of the Jaguars' offensive tackles right now, and thus Jacksonville might be passing on a golden opportunity to better protect the future face of their franchise in Trevor Lawrence. So in your view, is it better for the Jags to upgrade that offensive tackle position, or is it better for them to juice up that pass rush with either Hutchinson or Walker? And I will slightly confound you by saying neither, by saying really what would be smartest of all to me would be to trade down a few picks, maybe five or six. And then if either a quantum or Neil is there, you grab that player. But if they stick and stay where they are currently, if they do take a pass rusher, if it were up to me, I would take Kayvon Thibodeau. And if we are picking a, an offensive lineman and we're staying where we are at the top of the draft, it would be Ike Mugwano. And I, I really do like Evan Neal, but in terms of the person that truly has the ability, I think has the ability to be an elite level pass protector for a longer period of time, I think it's Ikiwanu. And the reason I say this, and they're both fantastically athletic, especially you know for men that size, but Ikiwanu's got a little more flexibility, a little more bend, and I think he has a little more agility. While Neal has a little more power, and if we were doing the same conversation 25 years ago, I think Neil would be the, the more attractive pick because he's a little more damaging in the run game, though both of them are terrific in the run game. 
Uh, Iguanu is more a guy who moves on the run. Like he gets out there and blocks the daylights out of people on like sweeps and screens. And Neil can just do it just, you know, coming downhill in line. You know, he's really perfect for like a, a power or a gap scheme. And Iguanu is more suited. He can do both, but he's more suited probably to his zone scheme just because of his incredible movement ability and agility. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would do. If I'm sticking there and I'm taking off with alignment, Sequanu, if I have the opportunity to trade down, which I think you might, and pick up extra picks, because let's be honest, David, this team is not one or two picks away from contending. They need everything they can get. I would, if I could get another first rounder and maybe a second rounder next year in exchange for moving down six or seven picks, I'm doing that all day long. Yes, and there have been some rumblings uh, that suggest that uh, Trent Baalke is exploring that option indeed. And now on to a team that needs just as much help as the Jaguars, the Houston Texans, who enter this draft with 11 total picks, including five in the top 80, and the worst overall roster in the NFL, arguably. The only thing separating them and the Jaguars is probably Trevor Lawrence, although Davis Mills is no slouch either. And uh, thus, the Texans could literally go any direction with their two first-round picks. But my educated guess, and I largely emphasize educated guess because I have no sources in that building, is that Nick Casario and Lovey Smith would ideally love to leave day one of the draft with a new edge and a new offensive tackle. So here's a hypothetical. Say the Texans go offensive tackle at three, yet no edge they like is available at 13 and vice versa. What would be the best direction at that pick? Corner, wide receiver, or another position? Well, again, this is another team that's not one or two players away. If they have the ability to move down six or seven picks and pick up an additional, you know, maybe they pick up, a, you know, a, they swap picks, they pick up, say, another second rounder, third rounder this year, and a first rounder next, I think they should do that. But if they do have to stick where they are, players that I would have my, my eyes on, I would, the players you mentioned, and even one, of, maybe one of the top wide receivers would all be things I would consider. So amongst the players that I would have my eye on if I were sticking and staying at 13, I would consider players like, well, I mean, George Kaloftis uh, would be probably one of the, or Jermaine Johnson would probably be amongst the pass rushers that are still available on the board at that point. And then if we're looking at offensive line, you're now looking at that second cut. You know, I think that the first two tackles we talked about, and then maybe Charles Cross, if Cross is still available, you run to the podium to make that pick. But if Cross is gone, now you're looking at guys like Bernard Raymond. I would trade down, frankly. Uh, I don't think that's a guy you pick quite that early. He's an older prospect. He's an intriguing prospect, but he'll be 25 years old before he takes his first NFL snap. And because of that, that's just not a player you can take in the top half of the draft. But uh, the other player that I would trade down to maybe consider an offensive tackle would be Trevor Penning. But once again, that's not a top half of the draft kind of player. So if, you, if somehow you still have a shot at say sauce Gardner. You shouldn't, he's almost, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where he's still there, but I mean, Lovey would knock down his grandmother to get that player at 13. So if he's somehow there, yes. Um, and then it's Stingley. If Stingley's there, I think that's extremely unlikely players. I think are likely to be there include Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I think that there's a, a chance, like I said, Jermaine Johnson, I mentioned uh, Trevor Penning is a little reachy. So I'd probably see if I could move down and still have a shot at him. I mentioned Carl Loftus, and then maybe even an interior player like Devontae Wyatt or a linebacker like Devin Lloyd, though I think that's a little rich for Lloyd. And I'll throw out receivers. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if they took Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, or if they went big, wanted to go bigger receiver. Uh, it's a little early for Burks, but I could see taking Drake London there. Uh, those are players I consider. Now on to the Indianapolis Colts, whose biggest moves this spring were shipping Carson Wentz off to Washington and then subsequently trading for Matt Ryan, who I personally believe is a huge upgrade over Carson Wentz. Does the addition of Matt Ryan make the Colts co-favorites, if not favorites, to win the division this season? Yeah, I, I think it makes them favorites. I think they might have been favorites even with Wentz and obviously be more challenging because Wentz constricts you about some of the things you can do. And he's not a bad quarterback. I want to briefly defend him, but he's, he has some limitations. The limitations are not physical. He's physically gifted, but he doesn't always see things quickly enough. Processing, right? We talk about that sometimes with quarterbacks, especially for guys that come from run-heavy offenses. People dismissed this when I talked about it back when he was coming out. I said, this is a very run-heavy offense. He's rarely had to carry it, right? Carry the offense. He's throwing the ball 18, 19, 22, 23, 24, 17, 16 times, right? Occasionally 27, 28. But he's not a guy who's out there throwing it 40 times a game. They just never had to do that because of the way that team was built when he was at North Dakota State University. So there's a jump up to me, not just level of competition, but the level of passing volume kicked up by 30 something, 40% when he got to the NFL and the volume of defense that he has to read and all this kicked up. Okay, so getting back to their situation, Matt Ryan who's seen everything that a defense can do. Uh, I mean, there's nothing you could show Matt Ryan that isn't, you know, old hat to him. So this team, uh, picks now at pick 42, a pick they got from the commanders, and they get their next pick at pick 73, another pick that came to them uh, via trade with the commanders, and then they have pick 122, 59, and you know, going on down. But I'll stick with pick 42 for the moment. Now, uh, the advantage slash disadvantage, right? When you're picking at pick 42, you know, top, 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 top players are gone, but you know, your, your top player really is, as you said, uh, Matt Ryan. So that that's cushions the blow. Players I would consider, if Daxon Hill makes it to them, I don't think he will, but I have a player I would take. If Sky Moore makes it to them, that's a player I would take. If Travis Jones, the very destructive, very talented defensive tackle from UConn makes it to them, that's a player I would definitely take. These are all players that should be there around that point. Other players I would consider, um, the rather grabby, sticky, but, uh, you know, he might get flags on him early in his career, but I think he'll work it out and become a good corner once he gets used to it. Roger McCreary uh, from Auburn is another guy we consider. He's probably there around that point. And a few other players that I would at least have in mind. If Jalen Petrie from Baylor makes it to them, that's a must get. If Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State makes it to them, that's another guy that I think you just have to take. And I'll throw out one other corner. Or if Kair Elam, if Kair Elam makes it to them at that point, uh, he's not great against the run, but he's a very pure cover corner. All those players are players that might get there at 42, I consider. Yes, and uh, just like the Colts, the Titans only have two picks in the top 100. And when you look at this Titans roster, they need better offensive line talent on the interior and at tackle alike and more wide receiver tight end depth to help Ryan Tannehill return to that 2019-2020 form. And yeah. should the Titans highly consider trading back from 26 in order to give themselves a better shot of addressing those needs in the first two days of the draft? I, if I could pick up, say, a second rounder and an extra third, 
in exchange for, for giving up pick 26, I would do it all along for two reasons. One, they don't have a desperate need to pick early. The kinds of players they need are not necessarily players that are premium players at the top of the draft. Two, I truly believe, we've talked about this before, the meat, right? The, the best part of this draft is between picks about 48 and 104. I, if I could get like five picks between pick 48 and 104, that would be my goal coming into this draft. If I ended up getting out of the first round and maybe a little bit out of the sixth and seventh and just loaded up, right? in the fourth and maybe even to the early fifth, that's what my goal would, would be to do. So players that make sense, if they stick, let's say they stick for the moment at 26. Let's say that they end up picking at 26 before we you know, start talking about other scenarios. Uh, Brian Asimov from Oklahoma is a player that, well, it's a little early for him, but you talk, we talk about offensive linemen. So let's stick to that. Um, I could see a scenario where Tyler Lindenbaum, who's probably a top 20, 25 player, but because he's a smaller center, and he doesn't fit some of the teams that want to be, you know, power gap that kind of thing. He doesn't really fit them. Uh, if Kenyon Green makes it to them, I mean, that's a no-brainer. He feels like a Titan. And I'll throw out one other name. Uh, if they stick at 26, Zion Johnson from Boston College, who can play center or guard, highly intelligent, very good athlete. There's, I can't find anything not to like about Zion Johnson, David. Uh, he's one of my favorite prospects in the whole class. And I think he has close to zero bust percentage like he might not end up being a superstar he might not end up being a hall of famer or even a guy that goes that's an all pro but i just don't see any scenario where this guy ends up in short of devastating injury ends up not working out if they go defense which i frankly they should if they stay go picking early they they really do need to improve that uh pass rush if a jabo is there and obviously the injury pushes him down the board a little bit that's another player I would consider for still picking at, uh, at 26. And then uh, Trent McDuffie, who I think can play either nickel or corner, is another player that would be on my mind if I'm sticking at 26. If they trade down and pick up extra picks, well, now it gets fun and interesting. Uh, and and I, I do believe that's what they should do. And I mentioned earlier some of the players I would consider. If Trevor Pinning, uh, who some people see as an earlier pick, but I, if he slides, I mentioned Bernard Ryman due to age. He may Penny's slide, but he probably yeah, he doesn't make it all the way probably to their next pick. It depends on where they pick, obviously. Uh, Trevor Penning is a Titan. His physicality, especially in the run game, would yep. absolutely be welcomed in Nashville. But you bring up an interesting point about the Titans. You mentioned they need to improve the pass rush. Well, you can always improve your pass rush. The Titans arguably had one of the best pass rushers in the league last year with uh, Harold Landry and uh, Bud Dupree. But the heart of that pass rush is uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry inside. And uh, Bud Dupree, uh, he got paid all that money, but if he uh, doesn't start living up to it, uh, uh, you, you just can't wait. Uh, you, it, it wouldn't hurt to get somebody else in to push him. Well, also you need depth. It's a high effort position. You can't play, you know, 16, 17 snaps in a row, uh, or you shouldn't ever play the 16, 17 snaps in a row if you're a pass rusher. You should give everything you've got for seven, eight snaps and then come off, you know, rest for a couple of snaps and then go back in. So you want to make sure there's not a huge drop off. A guy like Arnold Ibikiti from Temple, uh, he's a good athlete, but I like his technique. I like his effort. And he's a guy that, once again, probably isn't a superstar, but he's perfect as the guy who's next to the guy, as a guy who is your, your rotational guy. 
who can spell either of your, your primary passwords. He can spell either Landry or Bud, and there'd be very little drop off. He'd make a very good sense if they end up picking, even if they pick in the early second, you know, based on a trade back scenario. He is Bill Carroll, Nuts and Bolts Sports. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. And Bill, we are now at the best part of the program on our Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. We're going to give you the opportunity to play GM for all four of these AFC South teams and do three-round mock drafts. We start with the Jaguars using the mock draft machine, courtesy of our good friends at the Draft Network. We are on the clock at one. Uh, and, uh, but part of this exercise, no trade. So if uh, you yep. can't trade this pick, you alluded to your uh, choices would be between Kayvon Thibodeau or Ikea Kwan. Yeah. And I would probably go with Thibodeau here. Thibodeau, it is at one. And almost everybody in the draft Twitter land uh, in November uh, believed that Thibodeau was a slam dunk to be that first overall pick. And for some reason, uh, he uh, will not be. And that's uh, no offense to Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker for that matter. But I definitely understand why many remain on the Thibodeau train at one overall. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the stuff that was put out there is just that, just stuff. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if some of it, I mean, there's a lot that goes on that's different disinformation, stuff from other players' agents, stuff from teams that are hoping good players will drop to them. This happens every day. It does. Okay, so the NFL uh, emulates the Kremlin, so to speak, at this time of year. And it's the entire yeah. NFL universe that does. And all right, we are picked 33 overall. Uh, Kair Elam still on the board. Uh, we already took an edge. Uh, yep. Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Uh, Sky oh, Moore, yeah. Western Michigan, if you want a, a, another weapon yeah. for uh, Trevor Lawrence to throw to. Um, Tyler Smith. Now, this guy's uh, raw, but uh, yep. he spent one season marinating on the bench behind uh, Cam Robinson and uh, Walker Little and uh, and uh, Doug Farrar and Mark Schofield, two guys I really respect are very, very bullish on him. Yep. And he is that beefy lineman that Doug Peterson prefers. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, let's do it. Let's do Tyler Smith. Now, the only issue with Tyler Smith is, he, yeah, his technique's a bit of a mess, to be perfectly honest, David. Uh, it, he's inconsistent. He doesn't always seem to know what to do with his hands. Uh, that, there's a meme, you know, the, I don't know with my hands. I think it's from uh, uh, Ricky Bobby. But, yeah, he's uh, he's got a little bit of that in him. Once he figures out what to do with his hands, He's going to be a very dangerous guy. Yes, and hopefully that offensive line coach in Jacksonville or wherever he ends up can get that out of him. And we are coming on the clock again right now at 65 overall. And uh, let's see uh, who's uh, still here for the Jaguars. Um, don't need edge. Don't need running back. Uh, Dylan Parham is still here. If you want to scroll, keep scroll up the that offensive scroll, line. Scroll back. Hold on. I think I, okay. DeMar Leal. I would consider DeMar Leal here. Um, Spiller. Yeah, H.E. Logan Hall playing as a four eye. Yeah, but I could do the same thing with DeMar Leal. And I, I like him a little bit better. I know people cooled on him because he did not have a great pro day and, you know, combine situation, but he's a much better player on tape than, than he tests. I'll, as much, and I'm a big guy who I'm, I believe very much in testing and, and knowing what people are as a pure physical athlete, but I, I believe there's more in him than people 
sometimes think. I would definitely take Marvin Leal if I've got him here. He's a steal to some extent at 65, and I think he's going to play well. And yeah, he can do the five technique, four-eye stuff, and he can also even go outside at moments. He could very well be a steal here. And uh, the Jaguars' final pick in this three-round mock is at 70 overall, which is the pick they got from the Panthers in the yep. C.J. Henderson trade. Uh, I mentioned Dylan Parham as an idea, but I forgot that uh, they did sign Brandon Scherf, but uh, uh, Brandon Linder, I believe, or uh, was it Brandon Linder that just retired? Yeah, right. Linder's the center, and he did just retire. Yep. Uh, Parham could be his replacement. There you go. Yep. And, and once again, I love the value. Uh, I think he can play center or guard like many interior players. I think that he's a powerful, explosive guy. And once again, he gets out in space. I mean, he's going to help you in the screen game immediately. And if you want to run, you know, screens and things like that, uh, and well as, you know, sweeps, he's very good on the move. Uh, terrific downfield blocker. Yes, let's do it. Let's bring Dylan Parham. Not very, you know, not very far. He'll have to, I guess, hit I, is it I-70? I care what, there's a, there's some highway you can take that'll, well, it's a state road and that turns to a highway that you can take all the way there. But yeah, let's do it. Dylan Parham concludes the three-round mock for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now on to the Texans. And Evan Neal is the best player left on the board. So is Ikima Kwan, who he's still on the board. Trayvon Walker is and Kayvon Thibodeau are still here but since we gave Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jaguars we cannot give him to the Texans as part of this exercise we cannot and Sauce Gardner is here uh it wouldn't quite shock me out of my shoes if the Texans decided to go with Sauce at three they would consider him now they probably prefer to trade down uh, but based on what we see here I think they'll probably go with Evan Neal as you mentioned they have a young quarterback uh who had injury problems in college that's why he was available to them where he was available uh because he couldn't stay healthy in college and he only had 11 or so starts in his uh yeah i think 11 or 12 starts in his entire collegiate career because of injury issues he was a big time high school prospect and you know lead 11 guy and was one of the top high school prospects period regardless of position and then struggled like i said because of injury he got hurt every single season uh, that he played in college. And when he came out, some people were surprised because they thought he would try to get through a whole season injury-free, but he, he decided if I'm going to get hit and going to get hurt, let me do it while I'm getting paid. So uh, that's a good pick there. Let's keep it moving. We shall keep it moving indeed. And Evan Elitri would not surprise me at all. It would be the least surprising choice for the Texans, actually, because Nick Casario comes from New England, learned yep. under Bill Belichick for many years, what college does Bill Belichick love the most? He loves Bama, and uh, Nick Casario is probably going to want to set up his own Texans-Bama pipeline in Houston. And Jermaine Johnson staring him right in the face. Yeah. Lovey would really love Jermaine Johnson on that defensive line. You only want to get pressure with four. Jermaine Johnson can really help you do that. But yeah, uh, that's that's the pick. If Jermaine Johnson is there when they pick again, I can't foresee a scenario where they would pass on a guy like that. Absolutely. And especially since the wide receiver class, well, the edge class is very deep too, but the receiver class is deeper. So I think they would like to get edge out of the way right there. There's possibly. less of a drop-off between the first round wide receivers and heck even the third round wide receivers as there is between the early first round and the late first round pass rushers. Yep. Ben, we are on the clock again at 30 
seven overall. Boye Mafe is still here. If you want to double dip at edge, you, you could take Boye Mafe. Uh, traits galore, but the most important position in the Lovey Smith defense is that three technique. technique. You yep. want to get pressure with only four, and that three technique has the shortest route to get to the quarterback. We got Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma still That's on the, the pick. board. That's the pick. Uh, let's That's see. his, you know, Burger What about Travis Jones? He's still here too. Oh, wait, what? Oh, Travis wait, Jones what? is still here. Ooh. Oh, now I have a conundrum. Um, okay, okay, okay. Travis Jones then. Oh my. Uh, I like both players, but Travis Jones can do more different things. Travis Jones can kick out and play five and play the four eye. He can even kick in and in your special, you know, dragster or uh, Formula One or NASCAR, whatever you call that package, cheetah, some people call it, where you put all of your guys who can get to the quarterback on at the same time. He becomes your zero, you know, your nose. And then you put, you know, two pass rushers on each side of him and say, go get him, you know, third and long. Yes, Travis Jones, give me. Travis Jones, the pick for the Texans at 37. And uh, Matt Eberflus, uh, a disciple of Lovey, two picks later, would probably be slamming the table in frustration. <laughs> he His consolation prize could be uh, Perry and Winfrey, so he'll be okay. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, that is something for Bears fans to uh, keep in mind. And we are coming on the clock again very, very soon with the 68th overall pick. We got the Texans, Evan Neal. We got them, Jermaine Johnson. We got them, Travis Jones. And now let's see what else we could put on the Texans. Uh, Chad Muma there from Wyoming. Bring it on. So now he has his Lance Briggs, right? Uh, if we're going to keep sort of making Bears comparisons there. Uh, he is that guy who can play. He could play Mike. He could play Sam. He can play Will. Lance Briggs could have done all three too. Now, obviously they didn't need a Mike. They had that handled when Lance, uh, for most of Lance's career, but he played some Mike when, when Erlacher was hurt, but he gives you that. Once again, we talk about versatility. He can play all of the traditional four, three linebacker positions at a high level, a good enough athlete to run with tight ends, to run with running backs. And even some are some of the larger slot receivers. Like he could cover a guy like Keenan Allen if he had to. And He's good against the run. I mean, you don't, if you don't have toughness, you don't play at a place like Wyoming, right? Uh, the highest in terms of elevation of all the stadiums, right? Uh, 7,109, if memory serves it correctly, feet above sea level. If you're not tough, you don't play 7,109 feet above sea level. So, yeah, give me that guy. Yes, but uh, spoiler alert there's a side of me based on what I've read in recent days that. Chad Muma might not slip past 64 to the Broncos. And it's not just because he's from Colorado. The Broncos want Baron Brown to play more of a Micah Parsons role this year. They want him to get more snaps at edge. And therefore they need another inside linebacker to let him do that full time. And yep. uh, Chad Muma would uh, make tons of sense for the Broncos at 64. Just something for Broncos fans to keep oh, in yeah. mind. Agreed. And at 80 overall, the Texans, uh, Let's see what weapons we have for them in the passing game right now. Jalen Tolbert is the best wide receiver left on the board. How about Kyle tight Phillips? ends? What's the best tight end still left? Uh, the best tight to, end. Uh, let's can afford to upgrade their Kate tight Kate Otten, Jeremy Rucker, Greg Dolchich, if you want to bank on athletic upside. Jelani Woods is still here. 
uh, this might not be too early for him. Not to me, it isn't. Yes, bring me on Jelani Woods. So Jelani Woods uh, is one of those interesting stories because he spends three years at o- Oklahoma State, mostly just smashing people, right? Mostly blocking. And they go four wide a lot. So he got pulled off the field when they go four wide, which I would do too, because he had terrific wide receivers at Oklahoma State. But he he's very wisely explores the transfer portal, finds his way to University of Virginia, where they do like tight ends and know what to do with them, and explodes this past season. He is big, he is strong, he is fast. And of course, to, to quote the late, great Jake Gaither, right? He is mobile, hostile, and agile, but not too fragile. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot to like about a guy like him. Absolutely. And uh, plus his blocking skills are very, very good for a yes. tight end. He was primarily a blocker in his Oklahoma State days. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and tap into that freakish athleticism in the passing game. You've got an amazing prospect. And the Colts are now at 42 overall. Perry and Winfrey. Yep, yep, the- yep. No need to keep scrolling. Perry and Winfrey. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, d- uh, you can't rely on DeForest Buckner alone. Uh, You've got to have as many bodies around him as possible. You got yep. Quiddy Pay last year and uh, a NASCAR package with Quiddy Pay, Perry and Winfrey, and DeForest Buckner. Look out, opposing offenses. Yep, yep. And, and once again, you want to be able to spell people. I mean, it, it's a high effort position. You've got to be able to get those guys rest. You most uh, certainly do. But the uh, biggest. Uh, need for the Colts is the wide receiver position and I'm sure there were a lot of good receivers still uh, left on the board there do you think it's more likely the Colts would go wide receiver at 42 I personally do they might but I think they might wait because even at 73 there's gonna be some really good receivers let's see what that wide receiver board looks like arguably the most glaring hole on the Indianapolis roster outside of Michael Pittman Calvin Austin the third boom no need to keep scrolling boom so um, he's not quite as tall as a guy like T.Y. Hilton, but he's just as fast. And what people underestimate, because he's a shorter player, is how good he is, even on what we call 50-50 balls, right? Balls that you're going up and taking away from a receiver. Oh, to be sure, taking away from a uh, defensive back. Now, we usually assume that's going to be a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", and up. Even though he's very small, he is terrific at it. He has great timing. He has strong hands and he's got like a 39 and a half inch vert, which even though he's a short guy, he plays so much taller, but mostly you're going to put him in the slot and let him just run away from people, which he'd be great at. And now we are on to the Titans in the final of our four, three round mocks in this stop in the AFC South on our dash to the draft divisional tour. Tyler Linderbaum is the best offensive lineman still on the board, but the Titans run more of a man-oriented blocking scheme, so he might not be the they best like, to fit yeah, there. Like big. Oh, Kenyon Green, though. Oh, yes. Yeah, he would be very yes. good. Kenyon Green. Uh, let's uh, just see uh, who else uh, is available on the offensive line. Uh, we already gave Tyler Smith to the Jaguars, and yep. there's it, it's a drop off after Kenyon yeah, Green. Yeah, drop off so, after that. So I, I, I don't think you'd let Kenyon Green slip past them. Yeah, Kenyon Green will be the Titans pick at 26. Will probably uh, slide in to replace uh, Roger Saffold and be an upgrade over Roger Saffold compared to the Roger Saffold of uh, last year, where a uh, father time uh, apparently uh, was uh, biting at his knees, so to speak. <laughs> It happens to the best of us, David. Luckily, you're still a young man. <laughs> well, it, it, definitely on the on the gridiron, that's for 
uh, down sure. So Kenyon Green to the uh, Titans at 26. But uh, because of the Julio Jones trade, and boy, were they fleeced at the end of the day. They do not pick again until 90, which is why if I were John Robinson, I would do all I can to see if I can move down from 26 to get an extra pick or two on day two of the draft. If I could pick up, you know, a second round or an additional third in exchange for, you know, giving up a 20, that pick of 26, and maybe getting a second rounder next year as well to go with it. That's three picks and hopefully three picks from the top, you know, 60, 65 in exchange for one pick at 26. I would do that all day long. Uh, let's see. So we've got Otten, we've Greg Dolchich. Uh, Austin Hooper's only on a one-year deal. Yeah, but and maybe Otten. Um, Otten's probably he's a, a blocker. better yeah, he's a tight blocker. Yes, right. That's what I was say. Otten's a better blocker. He feels more tightenish. Uh, Want to look at any other positions? Well, we can scroll down a little bit. Let me see. Um, is there anything else that grows? Sam Williams? He's got character red flags, but he would immediately push Bud Dupree. That's that's what I'm saying. That, that gives him some. I mean, he's a terrific pass rusher. You just have to be satisfied with the answers he gives you about that situation he found himself in in college. So, okay, so I'm, those are I'm, ba I'm battling in my mind between those two. No one else is really. Well, let's scroll back a bit. Uh, let me take a quick look at Rashid. Rashid Wallace at nine. Was that ninety? What was that? One hundred five. Rashid Walker. Of yeah, Pennsylvania. I mean, I like him, but. Once again, it's a trade down scenario, I guess, to get it. So I'm deciding between Williams and Otten. I'm going to go Otten here. As you mentioned, they're about to lose their primary receiving, well, primary everything tight end. Uh, and they, and once again, they want to get younger at that position, I'm guessing anyway. And cheaper, right? If you can get younger and cheaper, you do it. You most certainly do. And he is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, Nuts and Bolts Sports. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. Bill, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back tomorrow with the final stop on our 2022 Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the NFC East. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved sportscrunch.com, where my fourth mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted. For Bill Carroll, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool, and Slava Ukraini! Glory to Ukraine! <laughs>